very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. questions you always had, the answers you were never given, the place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. Greetings to everyone around the world and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mal Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time or your truth journey brought you here, welcome home. And to listen to tonight's full interview, which I'm sure you don't want to miss, all you have to do is go to our website and click on the subscribe button. You'll receive your login immediately, and you'll have access to hundreds and hundreds of hours of truth. And by the way, this week was the season finale and series finale for Sanitas. Three full seasons completed with excellent information that has transformed not only my life, but the life of so many other people. And I know this because you write to me all the time, and I'm so glad that I was able to do this for three years. You can still subscribe. Those are three years full of classic interviews that will be relevant not only today, but tomorrow, next month, next year, next decade. That's how relevant the information that you'll find there is. So now you have one subscription only, so you can have one full year to listen and to browse the website and download at your leisure. So go to sanitasradio.com and take a look. I'm still here on Veritas, and you are the first ones to hear the following. Even though the shows, the interviews that we've done with Sanitas in the past will stay on that website for subscribers only at this point, Sanitas is merging with Veritas. Why? Because I know that to create a a health show here and there is very important for Veritas listeners too. So we're going to deal with wellness, we're going to deal with health too, and all the other great topics that you're used to. In essence, Veritas will continue being a modern-day mystery school. So I think alternative health is part of it. So in the future, you'll also see, well, here, shows that discuss those topics too. So hope you can stay with us in a truth journey. And if you want to write to me, you want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or simply have feedback, I mean it when I say that I love to hear from you. I may not be able to respond as quickly, uh, but now that I have one radio program, I'll be able to free up some time to do so with two radio programs and answering so much email it was sometimes difficult to respond to everybody or do it in a timely fashion so now that I'm back to one radio program I'll be able to do so more frequently and if you write from the guest book just let me know you're okay with us displaying your comment on the guest book page of our website for years the federal government has sought to remotely control human behavior starting with the CIA project MKUltra and MK Search in the 1950s, 
the American public has been unwitting guinea pigs in a multitude of neoconsensually performed experiments that have continued into the 21st century. Tonight, our special guest takes you on a journey into the darkest corners of U.S. non-consensual experimentation and the various technologies of control that have led to our current surveillance state. To tell us more, our special guest is Dr. John Hall, a medical doctor specializing in anesthesiology, pain management, and regenerative medicine through advanced stem cell therapy in Texas. He is also the author of Guinea Pigs, Technologies of Control, and A New Breed, Satellite Terrorism in America. He's been a tireless advocate against non-consensual experimentation on the public. He's also a singer, songwriter with the country band Stick Horse Rodeo, and is active in two current film endeavors, Death and Compromise, and Pathfinders Outdoors. His website is drjohnhall.com, and he joins us directly from the great Lone Star State of Texas. I'd like to welcome Dr. John Hall. Hello, Dr. Hall, and welcome to Veritas. How are you doing today? Fine, excellent, and I'm so glad to finally have you on because I've heard about your book ever since it came out, and I'm finally having you here. So, by the way, you dedicate the book to a good friend of this radio program, the late Dr. Fred Bell, a true patriot and good friend of yours. He left a, a great legacy, and we have an excellent interview that people can listen to. Do you want to share a minute of your experience with Dr. Fred Bell? Sure. Dr. Fred Bell and I knew each other very well. Um, I spoke on the phone or through email just about every night. A lot of people don't realize that, uh, you know, his latest company, Puridine Industries, was what he was focused on now. But earlier in his career, he actually worked with a lot of the technology and sold a lot of the technology of electronic gadgetry to the government that they use um, to create some of this technology. Once he saw that it was being used experimentally on the public, he, too, came out uh, pretty voraciously against its use uh, non-consensually. Uh, him and I teamed up probably a decade ago and uh, remained friends ever since based on, on those principles. Uh, and uh, for those listeners that don't realize, um, many of us suspect that his death wasn't natural. Um, he had actually agreed to be on a, a TV show talking about Jesse technology. Ventura. Yeah, and uh, prior to being on that, he had told me, he said, he said his exact words, he said, my handlers are not going to be happy about me coming on national TV about this. And then, of course, was found dead of a heart attack in his hotel room immediately after recording the show. That's exactly right. We have another guest of this radio program. You Folks, you can figure out who it was. But she was there waiting to talk to Ventura after Dr. Fred Bell was being interviewed, and she saw she saw him there. He was in perfect health. And the next morning, boom, started frothing at the mouth and just fell on the floor and died. And uh, this reminds me also of uh, Dr. Patrick Flanagan. Some of his technology was used for, you know, who knows what purposes, but he's now talking against all of this. Yeah, yeah, he, he's come out against it too. And, you know, the interesting thing with Fred is a lot of people said, well, you know, he was the right age for a heart attack. Right. That man ate healthy. He lived a healthy lifestyle. I mean, I, I spoke to him just about nightly. He was in the best shape that one could be in. So, uh, you know, I, I have my serious doubts of whether or not that was uh, a natural passing or not. Plausible deniability for everybody, I guess. Now, let's begin with your story. How does a physician 
who has to go through many years of education, medical school, residency, you name it, becomes a researcher into technology, self-control, and all, all the rest of it. Well, I'll tell you, I, I, I didn't set out to be the, the spearhead for the the, uh, the activism against this. I'll tell you that straight out. Um, what happened was I have an ex-fiancé that came to me with a very interesting story back in 2000, and she said, I'm being followed everywhere. I'm being attacked by something I can't see, and I'm hearing the voices of the people doing the attacking. And she said, I, I, I'm coming to you because I trust you. I'm afraid if I go to anybody else with this, they're going to lock me away, which she was right, especially at that time. And um, when she came to me, I, I did a little checking and I talked to some, I had heard a little bit about the technology before. Uh, I do have friends that are in the CIA. I talked to them. They said, yes, it sounds like um, satellite surveillance, satellite-based surveillance. Um, I talked to another friend of mine. He First thing he asked, that satellite surveillance, is she in any trouble with the government? And I said, you know, no, she shows apartments for a living. She's not a radical. She's not political. Um, but it is happening. And um, spent a lot of money doing some counter surveillance. Um, wired up her place for sound to catch people coming and going. And uh, determined who the people were that were following her. And uh, caught them breaking and entering into her house. And at, at that time, they were drugging her with rohypnol, which is a date rape drug. Mm -hmm. and basically using her as a sex slave. So um, went to the police with it all, uh, have a good relationship with the local PD, <clears throat> actually do their medicine. So they had no problems believing me, as a matter of fact, and I wrote it in the first book, A New Breed. The lieutenant in charge of the sex crimes unit said, you know what, a, a story becomes so crazy that it's got to be true. And um, they investigated. At that time, the stalking laws in Texas were pretty weak. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot that could be done, and their exact words, it's not what you know, it's what you could prove, and you're dealing with a, a group that you know has been well-trained in the breaking and entering. They know how to wipe down things, make sure they don't leave fingerprints, um, and that type of thing. So we did have audio evidence of them breaking in, and that was really the impetus of the first book, <clears throat> was basically to get her story out once we saw how perfect of a crime this can be. That it's hard to prove. It's hard to prove radio frequencies coming into your house that are that may be harming you. But everybody else says, well, you know, maybe it's the cell phone towers, maybe it's the it's TV power lines, um, it maybe it's just typical electromagnetic radiation coming into the home. <clears throat> so it's hard to prove that type of technology being used on you for a criminal activity. And once we saw um, what happened with all that, which they basically said, it's not what you can, what you know, it's what you can prove, uh, got her moved to another state uh, to avoid um, the break-ins and the physical assaults, and then decided to go ahead and write it in a book with the names changed, since I wasn't able to get them imprisoned. And the minute that book released, and I did a couple of radio shows like yours, my email account blew up. I mean, there were literally, I mean, I think the first radio show I did, I had something like 6,000 emails from people saying this is the exact same thing that's happening to my wife or my son or my daughter or myself to the T. And once I started talking to some of these people and some of them came here to be seen or treated or scanned for implants, once I saw that this wasn't a similar crime happening in other cities, it was the exact same crime happening in other cities. I mean, everybody may have an excuse for why it's happening to them, 
And a lot of people would say, well, I think it's because of this or I think it's because of that. But the modality of the way it's happening was exact in every single case. So as it turns out, a book I wrote really just to expose a local crime turned out to be something that's happening in every major city. I wanted to leave the targeted individuals portion for later, but I have to tell you this right now since I'm getting goosebumps after what you just said. Before we discuss this, now let me say this. Folks, I lost count of the number of people who write to me saying they have or are still being targeted and they want help, but no one believes them. Even one person, I won't name names yet, but he provided lots of written material and a chronology of events, the way he was abused, that it's so so hard that I can't even mention here. He even provided the name of the professor, quote-unquote professor, perhaps a psychoanalyst who conducted a lot of the experiments. Uh, he provided the name and the institution at which he teaches nowadays. He wanted me to confront him and ask him why he did what he did. How do you discern, Dr. Hull, if you are one of those alleged victims? And I know you don't like to use the word alleged because it's proven now that a lot of this is true. And most of them will simply go to a psychoanalyst and will be considered delusional. So there's plenty of plausible deniability for the perpetrator. How do you discern? Well, sometimes it's hard to tell. And, and, and being a medical physician, I, you know, and, and I, I'm real clear on all my interviews, mental illness does exist. So in a lot of the targeted individuals, they hate it when I say that in the interviews. But to be, you know, on the up and up, of course, and be forthright with it, you know, it is hard sometimes to distinguish. And the other thing is, you know, there's nothing, nothing um, preventing someone who really is mentally ill also being a target. Uh, and if you look back in the history of non-consensual experimentation by our government, um, you know, um, homes for the mentally ill were a prime target for government experimentation. Uh, homes that uh, with uh, of children uh, that were, you know, retarded or mentally ill uh, were very popular targets for CIA experimentation. So <clears throat> that is where it is difficult to tell. Now, I will say that most of the victims that I've dealt with um, have successfully got through high school. Most of them have degrees, college degrees. Most of them were well-functioning adults with fairly fairly well secondary education and didn't notice their targeting until in their late 30s or early 40s. So you know, when you look at that type of population, you know, here's somebody that graduated from high school, they graduated from college, they were a professional, they were had a normal family life and were going along their daily living activities just fine, all of a sudden, at 45, they're hearing voices and they're being attacked by weapons they can't see. <clears throat> that itself kind of tells you that it's some form of experimentation and not mental illness. Because the only way that can happen in a mental illness is to have some sentinel event that sets it off. And most of these people don't have that. You know, they haven't have it, had a, a very severe loss of a loved one or a brain injury or, or anything to set off acute, sudden, you know, schizophrenic-like symptoms in their mid forties. Um, sometimes it's a little harder to tell when you're dealing with targeted individuals that are in their twenties, but there's not many of those. I mean, most of the people that I've been associated with or dealt with are usually in their forties and, and they can pinpoint the day that they notice people following them and they can pinpoint the day that they started hearing voices. And these aren't voices of God or angels or, you know, telling them that they've been, you know, you know, chosen or, or anything like that. These are voices describing where they are in a room, describing where they are, you know, in their city, you know, describing what 
them with what they're going to do with the directed energy weapons. So uh, it, it is persecutorial in nature. Can you repeat the last 10 seconds? I almost lost you there for a second. There was this sound that came through. And I'll let you for ten seconds. Well, and I will, and I will tell you that that is going to be very common. That happens with every radio show I do. Huh, it gets it, get, it gets interfered with. No, uh, what I was saying was that most of the most of the people that I deal with that are targeted are, are in their forties, and they can pinpoint exactly when it started. They were well functioning prior to when it started. Um, the only time that there's a little bit of a question is when you have younger targeted individuals that are in their twenties. You know, a lot of them, that is when schizophrenia can start now, and you you have to try to discriminate it. And the way I look at it is, if you ask them what the voices are saying, the voices are describing where they are in a room. They're describing where they are in the city. They're describing what the victim is wearing. It's not voices of God or angels or prophets or telling them that they've suddenly been ordained uh, it, it's very obviously voices that are describing them in a surveillance type setting. I'm jumping around here. I, w- I wanted to take this in a chronological order, and I will try to do so. But I think of Aurora, Colorado. I think of all these shootings that to me sound, and I don't mean to be putting my my conspiratorial hat here, but to me these sound like targeted individuals or mind control individuals that are being used as a tool for gun confiscation. I'm trying I'm starting this. I wanted to leave this till the end, but it just crossed my mind right now. Your take on all these shootings. Pretty much the same take as you just mentioned. Um, because at least two of them I know for a fact were targeted individuals. Um Myron May at the University of Miami. Uh, had been a uh, lawyer, uh, actually was a prosecutor in Las Cruces, New Mexico, had moved to Florida to open office there. And he sent out thumb drives and manifestos basically saying that he was going to partake of this dastardly deed to try to foster media attention to the targeted individual issue. <clears throat> I don't agree with that, by the way, and I want that on the record, that we do not um, we do not suggest anyone, you know, resort to violent means to try to get media attention. Um, killing innocent people certainly isn't the attention we want. Uh, he did choose that route, um, but he was a targeted individual. Um, the other one uh, was Aaron Alexis, uh, who shot up the Navy Yard. He had actually contacted uh, one of the human rights groups that deals with um, TIs. <clears throat> and was uh, having most of his problems with sleep deprivation and was looking for a way to um, remedy that, but was known to the targeted individual community. And as everyone read, he did inscribe, this is my ELF weapon on the shotgun that he used in the shooting. That wasn't a, a crazy man going on a rampage. That was a um, a revenge shooting um, because, according to him, he had found out that at the Navy Yard, indeed, some of the research was being done there. What about Jared Lee Luffner, the Tucson massacre, uh, Sanquicho, Virginia Tech, and um, what's uh, James Holmes, Aurora, Aurora, Colorado? Well, and I, I suspect that those were probably similar deals. Um, you know, the government right now does want uh, gun control in the worst way. So um, one of the ways to do it is to keep having these mass shootings until eventually the general public cries out for gun control, which is what they were hoping. Uh, I think they were certainly hoping to get that um, with the Sandy Hook shooting, Mm -hmm. um, because certainly a bunch of children being shot should tug at the heartstrings enough of the public to 
have allowed public Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now. Gain access to our entire archive dating back to 2008. Just click subscribe at veritasradio.com. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. Subscribe now. To listen to the rest and all of our exclusive material, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or join the Veritas Plus family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for focused life force energy. Get a 15-day free trial today with no credit card required. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button on our website at veritasradio.com. Now, proceed to the Veritas Plus member section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Because you don't want to believe, you want to know. What are you waiting for? Subscribe now at veritasradio.com.